Happy to welcome uh, Robert Conabert, no stranger to our midst, to welcome him back uh, to share the Word of God with us. Thank you, Bernard. It is an honor and a privilege for me to be here today to, to share this time with you. I'm trying something a little different, I'm trying to use technology, so I have my sermon right here. So if all of a sudden I get this blank look on my face, it's because there's a blank look on the screen. Well, the title of the sermon today is uh, Legacy, Longevity, and Marbles. And when I told that to Bernard, he said, well, what's the marbles about? Said, well, that's why you have to be there. <laughs> you know, I remember as a, as a child in school, there were seasons to the year, and I'm not talking about winter and fall and summer. I'm talking about yo-yo season, marble season. There are different things that we did as kids. And, uh, I mean, there were, I don't know how they happened, but, I mean, one day, it wasn't on the calendar, but kids showed up with marbles. One day, kids just showed up with yo-yos, and that lasted a week or two or whatever it was, and they went away. And just somehow, magically, these seasons of, of uh, what we did as kids came and went, and, and I, remember, I don't think they have those anymore. I remember something called clackers. Don't you remember those? Yeah, some of you, uh-huh. Hopefully you weren't one that uh, got a shard in your eye. Marbles was a fun game, though, until we had friends that started bringing steelies. And they weren't little steelies, they were like shot-put steelies. And then some smart aleck brought uh, a pool ball. You know, and, but we had fun, and that's what we did. And something I remember from my childhood. I want you to think about a story in the scripture, and we'll come back to marbles in a, in a moment. There's a story in the scripture of a little boy named Joseph. And that little boy had a big dream. He had a very big dream, but his family didn't exactly appreciate his dream. And uh, you all know the story. In fact, his, his brothers really didn't like his attitude at all, so they threw him to a pit and they sold him to be a slave. And Joseph got carted off to, uh, to Egypt. And as the story goes, there was going to be a big famine, and Pharaoh ended up, by God's hand, putting Joseph in charge of managing Egypt through the famine. And what Joseph did is he built storehouses and he gathered grain. He gathered grain when there was plenty. And he gathered up so much that when the seven years of famine came, everyone had food to eat. Not just everyone in Egypt, but people from around the world. And indeed, one day who should come knocking on Joseph's door? Oh, it's those brothers. Now, the point that I want to, to, for me to take away from that story today is this. This is beginning to set a precedent in Scripture that there are things that we do today, and we not, may not even be aware of it, but there are things that we do today that are intended to be a blessing in the future for our families for our friends, for our communities. 
And there seems to be this, this, we live our lives. I mean, most of us are busy. I mean, we, we, we were born, we're raised, we get a job, we go to work, we raise our families. And, and hopefully you get to the, that point sometime where you can retire and have a, a nice retirement. But our lives are full and they're busy. And we get caught up in that living And so often we don't stop and think about what happens afterwards. It's funny, I mean, it used to be that people would be afraid of dying, and now people are afraid of outliving their money. Life has changed. People used to die in their 60s. Now the average lifespan is 84. Things change. But really, people don't. We still operate the same way. We get busy with life. We get busy with all the concerns and worries of the day. And we seldom realize that the things that I do today, the way I act, the way I respond, the way I serve, the things that I do today can have an impact on future generations. And so here was Joseph just following God's dream and, and using the best wisdom that he had, storing up all this stuff, and all of a sudden his family shows up. Their family's in trouble. And who is it that rescues them? It's Joseph. Because of the things that he did, he was able to be a blessing to his family in the future. So I want you to just stick that, tuck that away in the back of your mind. There's this other aspect to this life that we live. We tend to see things as solid. I can count, this is wood, I can count, I can pound it, you can hear it, right? We know it's real. We get in our car and we drive here. There's a reality to life that we see and feel and touch every day. There's a reality to people. We see and feel, we interact, we hug, we kiss, we fight. But there's an interaction between people. And these are all things that we see. But there is an unseen spectrum. There are things that happen in our lives that we are clearly unaware of sometimes sometimes we just have no clue at at the invisible world that is around us you can buy special cameras now that can take a picture of the energy field that your body puts off it's amazing do you know that i can transfer electrical energy in my head right into yours I do that because right now in my head, in my brain, there's little electrical impulses that are being transformed to a physical thing where my tongue starts moving and my, my voice box starts vibrating and that electrical energy in my brain gets converted into speech and it comes out through my mouth travels through the air, enters your ear through those three little bones with the stirrup, the anvil, and the what? (laughs) Enters your ear, gets translated back into electrical impulses, goes into your brain, and you hear me. God made us, and he made this world in such a wonderful way. So all this is happening, and we don't even think about it. We have no clue. So I can transfer energy from me right into you. It's amazing. There's a story in scripture. There's a great battle going on on the field down below. Moses is up on a mountain. 
And Joshua's down leading the battle, and they're fighting. They're fighting, oh man, they're just fighting all day long. And they have no clue. Sometimes they're ahead, sometimes they're behind. Sometimes they're getting just, just miserably slaughtered, and other times they're on the attack, they're on the move, they're winning. And they have no clue that Moses is up on the mountain. You remember the story? What's Moses? What's happening with Moses? He's holding his hands up and he's praying over them. In fact, that battle is taking so long that his hands get tired and he has to have some help to hold his hands up because these guys say, wait a minute, every time his arms go down, they start getting defeated. We better jump in. And so they held up Moses' hands. So it wasn't just Moses, it was people around Moses that helped Moses. But all this was happening, and the people down below had no idea what was going on. They had no idea that the power of God was being manifested to them, through them, through Moses' prayers. All this is happening in the unseen realm. And this is the life we live. We, We get caught up in the world that's physical around us, and we seldom take time to think about the unseen things. We seldom take time to think about what are my actions? What are my words? What is my life going to send out beyond me? In Exodus chapter 20, verses 5 through 6, and I'm starting about the middle of of, uh, of, uh, verse 5. It says this, For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So we we see here God establishing the principle that what I do today, my actions today, my character today, has an impact on my future children, on my grandchildren, on my great-grandchildren. And often this is the part of the text that we look at, we talk about the most. But what about what comes right after that? It says this, And showing mercy, this is God, And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. In another translation, where it says thousands of them, what it's saying really is, For thousands of generations. So, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of generations of them that love me. So when you love God, when you serve God, when you live for God, that mercy that you're receiving, he says, I will store it up for you, in a sense, just like Joseph stored it up, for future generations... See, we like talking about sin, and we often talk about the sin of the fathers and the forefathers and what's passed on. We, like talk, we have this obsession with sin. God has an obsession with love. And so he says, when you enter this covenant of mercy with me, I will take that mercy and I will store it up for future generations, for your children to come. 
Now, some of you may be saying, huh, I don't know, that just sounds kind of hokey. Maybe. But we'll come back to that. I don't know if you noticed it in the opening hymn we sang, the second verse. Starts out like this. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Have any, any of you ever wondered what an Ebenezer was? How, I'm going to be honest. How many of you have ever sung that hymn, sung that verse for years, wondered what it never was, but never bothered to find out? Never heard of anyone? That's how I was for a long time. I mean, we started going to church when I was in sixth grade. I mean, I don't know how many times I've sung that hymn. What is an Ebenezer? I don't know. Never, you know, bothered to look it up or never heard anyone explain it. Well, it's interesting. Because that is a direct reference to after Moses passed on. He passed on the torch of leadership to who? Joshua. And Joshua, part of Joshua's duty was to take the children of Israel into the promised land. And in order to get there, they had to cross the Jordan River. And so you read in Scripture where they crossed the Jordan River. In fact, uh, God said he'll he'll make a a path for them. But unlike unlike when, when the children of Israel escaped Egypt and God parted the Red Sea, God required them to step into the water, an act of faith, before he parted the water. And after everyone passed through the water, God instructed them to raise an Ebenezer. Now, I've grown up, I've lived most of my life in in Arizona. Well, not most of my life anymore. I'm older now, I guess. (laughs) I I, I lived a portion of my life in Arizona. And uh, you'll find, if you drive around in some of the back highways and so forth in, in Arizona, you'll find scattered along the way, different places, or hiking trails, piles of rocks. People will get rocks and they'll just stack them one on top of the other. It's an Ebenezer. An Ebenezer is a way mark. It is a mark to remember that you've been here before. It's a mark to remember that someone came before you to this spot. That's what an Ebenezer is. So it says, here I raise my Ebenezer. I can't remember the next line, but it's, it's relative to that but here i raise my ebenezer it's it's referring to marking this time this spot this moment where god worked so joshua raised an ebenezer after they crossed the jordan we're here today it's a special sabbath because there's an ebenezer that we're going to dedicate and it's stone it's a parking lot dedicated in the name of bill houghton It is a mark that will be left here with his name on it for future generations' benefit. Especially when it rains, right? We all have marks that we leave. What kind of marks are you leaving? So, I'd like to share with you some definitions. These aren't by Merriam-Webster. These are my own definitions. Legacy. Leaving something of yourself behind. Leaving something of yourself behind. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to have you turn with me to Second Kings chapter 20. 
Oh, this technology is going to be mean to me now. But maybe not. Okay. 2 Kings chapter 20, starting with verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah was sick unto death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says Jehovah, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. And then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to Jehovah, saying, Remember now, O Jehovah, I beseech thee that how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Now, I want to stop right there and ask you a question. Do you know how long after David lived, Hezekiah came along? Anyone? Any guesses? No guesses? Just someone just venture again, just for the fun of it. 150 years. 150 years. Going once, going twice. About 350 years after David. Okay? Now notice what happens here. And it came to pass, before Isaiah has gone out into the middle part of the city, that the word of Jehovah came to him, saying, Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the prince of my people, Thus saith Jehovah, the God of who? David. What does David have to do with Hezekiah? That's 350 years ago. The God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee, and on the third day thou shalt go up into the house of Jehovah. And I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake, and for my servant David's sake." Hezekiah was the recipient, not because of anything he did, but simply because he was in the line of David. Hezekiah was the recipient of God's stored up mercies because of how David walked with God. Do you see that? And there's a number of scriptures like that that say because of, because of David, because of David, because of David, David had this special relationship with God. And because of that relationship, God bestowed mercy upon mercy upon mercy of following generations. How many generations did God say he'd show mercy to? Thousands. Mercy stored up because of David for future use by future generations. I like that. Billy Graham once said, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children is a legacy of character and faith. I believe that's a legacy that Bill passed on. Many people do not even think about a legacy. They live, they work, they die, they raise their families, 
And they just go on and they don't really think about what they leave behind. Or if you do, many people think about money. You know, what kind of legacy am I leaving or a business? And all those things are good. But it's a legacy that we leave. We all leave a legacy of some sort. Longevity. Lasting a long time. Living. That's my definition for longevity. Lasting a long time. Living. Now I tell you that there was a period in my life, a number of years, where I was dealing with a lot of stress and and loss, and and I all of a sudden gained a lot of weight. My knees went bad. I, I mean, I can't kneel. I feel like a heel sitting up here while everyone's kneeling. But if I kneel, I, I mean, I, I can't. I, I get down, but I can't get up. And it's one thing if you fall and you can't get up, but to get down and not be able to, I mean, it's two different things, right? I mean, I try to do yoga sometimes, right? But my downward dog is just down dog. <laughs> and now to get back some kind of semblance of health in my life, I have to fight for it. And it's not easy. Pounds come on. An ounce at a time when you're not looking. They don't disappear that way. Longevity, lasting a long time and living. It's hard to live when you aren't able to. It's hard, to, it's hard to run and play with grandchildren when you can't run. Right? I think we all have, uh, not just for her own sake, but a, but a responsibility to do what we can do to live as long as we can. And the biggest reason for that is because we can leave a legacy. We can store up mercy for future generations. We, by our actions and our words today, can build people up. We can make a difference in that unseen realm that causes people to have victory over the devil. Victory over sin. Victory over difficulties in their life. That's so important. We need to live like Moses holding up his hands. Because what we do that people can't see makes a difference in their lives. You know, I remember all throughout my ministry, there have been people very dear and near to us that prayed for us every day. Every day. And that always made so much a difference to me. So much of a difference. And, and each time when one of those dear prayer warriors would pass away, I could feel a loss. Because I knew that every day they were praying for me and my family. And one of the, the hardest losses to feel was that of my mother. Because I know my mom prayed for us every day. She prayed for our kids every day. And there are days, probably, I'm sure, where I thought, man, I'm on top of the world, look at everything I can do, but it wasn't me. It's because there was somebody praying for me. We're so quick to take the glory for ourselves. Live like Moses, holding up his hands. Live a long time. Strive to live a long time. As long as you can. So that you can lift your hands up 
for your family, for your future family. It makes a difference. Just like this parking lot. It's just a parking lot. It's just cement. But it will outlive every one of us here. And make a difference for everyone who drives in. But you know, that's not near the difference. That's not near the legacy that Bill leaves. He had something much more. And I believe that was his character and his service. I've heard a number of stories from from people here, including my sister, of how Bill served, how he cared, how he ministered, how he encouraged, how he prayed with and studied with people, how he preached. These are important things. And too often we take them for granted. And finally, marbles. It's not just a game from childhood. Now, there are various ways to play the game of marbles, but generally the guiding principle is don't lose your marbles. (laughs) It does you no good to live a long time if you lose your marbles. You catch what I'm saying? You got to hold on to the marbles. It's really important. Because the more marbles you got, the more effective you can be in keeping your hands up for the people in your lives. Does that satisfy your curiosity? Yes, thank you. Glad I came. You know, there's so many things that attack us. And ultimately, there's not anything we can do. If we lose our mind, we lose our mind, you know? And I I praise God for His mercy, right? There may come a time when you don't have control over things anymore. When you can't control your thoughts, or maybe you just don't have any thoughts. There may come a time... But until that time, live with meaning and purpose. Live to leave a legacy. Live as long as you can with your hands up, making a difference in the lives of the people around you. So I want to ask you a couple questions. The first one is this. And and these would be good questions to go home and ask yourself if you're married, ask your spouse and, and actually put something down on paper. Have a plan. Be. Now, the word just left me and the screen isn't blank. Uh, be intentional <laughs> about how you live. So, here's the first question What are you doing to live as long as you can with all your marbles? You know, there's a lot that you can do. To be healthy. And everything we do that keeps our body healthy keeps our mind healthy. You know, some foods and supplements are better than others. Exercise is good. Some exercise is not good. Depends on what you do and where you're at in life, right? But you need to determine where you're at right now. What can you do to live as long as you can with all your marbles? So, what are you doing to live as long as you can as an individual? What are you doing as a family? You know, I've dealt with a lot of families over the years, and some families stick together and some don't. And I thought I had that turned off. So what are you doing as a family to be a family as long as you can? What are you doing as a church? There are churches, sadly, that just pass away off the face of this earth. 
because they just die. I think it's an important question. Just as much as I as an individual want to have longevity, I want my church to have longevity. I want my church to be here years after I'm gone to serve my family, my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. I want them to be here during a time of plenty to gather up and to be able to pass out in a time of famine and keep people alive. The second question that I want you to ask yourself is this. What kind of legacy are you leaving What kind of legacy are you leaving as an individual, as a family, and as a church? It was Eugenia Price that said, if Christ lives in us, controlling our personalities, we will leave glorious marks on the lives we touch, not because of our lovely characters, but because of his. And so we're very happy and excited this morning to have Karen and Cheryl and Janie here to have this moment to honor and to dedicate their parking lot in, uh, in Bill's name. We're happy to have other family here too. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a wonderful moment that we can share together and a reminder through Bill's life Because Bill's greatest Ebenezer is not a parking lot. It's Karen, Cheryl, and Jeannie. And we each have people in our lives that look to us to be their Ebenezers. You know, I remember one of the last, uh, it was probably the last time I ever talked with Bill was here after after I preached. And and, uh, we were sitting there in in a park and... in the fellowship hall, I said in the parking lot. We were sitting in the fellowship hall. The parking lot wasn't there yet. And uh, we, were, we were talking. And he said, you know, I just, I feel like I'm useless. And I told him, I said, Bill, as long as you live and breathe, you're not useless. Because you are the anchor for your family. So you should try to live as long as you can because they need their anchor. And I know there are times when we approach the end of life that sometimes it can be very hard when you have Alzheimer's, when you have this or that. I mean, it can be very hard, but it's hard to lose your anchor. And Bill was the anchor of that family. So I tried to encourage him. I prayed with him. And he's left that spot open now to each of you to be the anchors of your families. So at this time, we're going to move right into the dedication portion of our service. And uh, Bernard's going to take over here. But what a wonderful testimony to Bill and what a wonderful testimony to our Lord Jesus Christ who is storing up mercies for thousands of generations and using us to do that. Amen. I would like to take a few minutes to uh, share some memories 
of, of those here in our church who uh, appreciated our brother Bill Houghton so much and enjoyed working with him, um, interacting with him. Uh, my acquaintance or connection with the Houghton family goes back quite a few years. Um, actually, uh, of course, I was uh, very well acquainted uh, with his brother, Don Houghton, and his that side of the family. And, uh, of course, I got acquainted with the James side of the family and um, also with the Canabri side of the family. And, and, of course, I came here and discovered that Sharon was here. And, um, and then, of course, I had the privilege of, of meeting and getting very well acquainted and enjoyed working with uh, our brother Bill. And it was, it was a real joy and a delight. Uh, as you may have figured out, this is a really big family and a very special family. But I'd, I'd like to ask, when I ask, I think, four of our members to share briefly right where you are, I um, guess we'll start with, uh, with Lynn Barrett, if she'd like to share a few words. Thank you all for coming today. It's really been a... a no, I'm okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you all for coming. It's really special that you're here, and uh, uh, we're very happy to be able to share a few words with you about what Bill meant to us. Uh, he was great. And we're not telling you anything, are we? <laughs> uh, he was a great man. We, you know, we didn't know, of course, when he walked in our door for the first time. And I was here when he walked in the door for the first time. And we just love when we have visitors. We don't know what that's going to mean to us, but it meant something wonderful to our church <laughs> for Bill to walk in the door. Amen. And, uh, see, I get emotional. <laughs> but so does Sharon. <laughs> Okay. All right. We're peas in a pod, Sharon and I. Anyway, it was wonderful. He he was a great leader. We prayed for a, a good Christian man to come and be a leader in our church. And he he came. God answered our prayer, and Bill came. And he was he, you were drawn to Bill because he was somebody that could you know share his wisdom, his thoughts, his philosophy. Uh, you just wanted to sit down and have a great conversation with him, and they were always good, <laughs> and you just wish you had more time. But just think, we'll have heaven, we'll have eternity to be with Bill. Amen. And everybody else. I'd like uh, Jean here to share a few words. I also want to thank everyone for coming today. It's a pleasure to have y'all. It was a pleasure to have Bill as a member of our church. And he was such a godly man and so full of knowledge of the Bible. Uh, anytime I needed help, I was a fairly new Adventist. And I could always call on him and he would help me through. He was always there to discuss matters of the board, which we were both on. And uh, like everybody said, he stepped in. He was always doing the Sabbath school lessons. He would preach. And if we came up short for some reason, somebody was sick or something, he always had a sermon ready and prepared, and he would get up. And he is sorely missed. And I know I'm not saying anything to the family that they already don't know, that he was a great man, a great inspiration, and a big blessing to this church. Amen. And if Rob would like to share a memory. I, I did appreciate Bill myself also. Um, I had been a member here years ago 
when Dean and I got married, we moved to our membership to Longview. When we came back in 2015, it was kind of there at his end. We're studying right now from Hebrews, which is Paul. And Bill could talk in depth about Paul, but make it in such a way that you could understand. And I remember his sermons on Paul, and I appreciate that. I really do. Um, And those are things like what was discussed a while ago by our dear brother. Those are things that last and last and last your memories of the things that you learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he shared those things, and I appreciate it. Amen. And Ruth Smith would like to share. Well, I was here the first day he came, and I appreciated him so much. I found out that he used to go to the Midland Church where I grew up till I was 10. So we had discussed a lot of people that we knew in Midland. And so I went to school there. And I just enjoyed visiting with him. He could tell me all kinds of little things in his life, and I'd tell him about Midland, and it was just wonderful. He was a good man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, indeed, it is a legacy to to leave to others that when we think of a person that was very dear to us, whether family or friend, we think of their contribution, and we think of the fact that the love of Jesus was shining in that heart to to bless others. This is the plaque which we're going to be mounting in the lobby uh, later. Uh, And it says our church parking lot is dedicated in the honor of Elder Bill Houghton, who was a faithful servant of God and the Mount Pleasant uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church. And um, it is our privilege to continue to remember uh, our dear friend um, and his contribution that he made to all of us. as we work together, what a joy and, of course, what a difference his life made for so many others, and, and whether family or friends. And we count it a privilege to remember. Uh, years ago, I, I asked a friend of mine, uh, actually it was a teacher of German, and I took one year of German, but it's uh, like Alice Ferguson, uh, forgot everything. But I asked him one time, I said, what's the difference between the righteous and the wicked? And he said, the difference is the righteous or those who follow God choose to remember and the wicked choose to forget God's goodness. And I think that's all of life. One of the other great differences between people who find joy in living is they have a gratitude. They are thankful. They choose to remember and others choose to be angry and choose to forget. But Brother Bill was one of those people that um, always remembered God, and we choose to remember his legacy, and we're uh, blessed by it. There's a presentation of flowers now. I just want to say real quick that I uh, heard everyone use the word great with Bill's name. 
and 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 he he was a great man by all means. I had the privilege of knowing his his grandmother or not not his grandmother. I had the privilege of knowing his mother. <laughs> and uh, that'd be my wife's grandmother. I know that anything that Bill accomplished in his life had a great deal to do with the fact that she prayed over him. I'm sure every day. And she did for all of her sons. At this time, we'd like to invite Karen, Cheryl, and Janie to come on up here and we have something for you. say something you're absolutely welcome to. From the family's point of view, uh, my dad was very practical, very safety oriented, and um, I mean, we had seat belts before they were mandatory. You know, you, he, he installed them into the car himself. Um, so it seems only appropriate that a parking lot be a part of his, <laughs> um, uh, part of this church. He loved this church very, very much. Um, he let us know that all the time. And um, the fact that, that people are safer getting out of their cars, I think my dad is just would be very, very thrilled to know about this. So thank you all so very much for what you've uh, done to, to make this service so special and to have my family, you know, kind of we had a little mini family reunion. So we enjoyed it, and thank you so much for thinking so highly of him. We appreciate it. Thank you. While he's getting ready there, I'm going to say something real quick. Seems like Uncle Bill goes with Aunt Dorothy. And I always loved being able to stop at their house because Uncle Bill and Aunt Dorothy paid attention to me as a kid. Aunt Dorothy would always get up and fix something for us to eat, no matter what time it was. We'd come in at some crazy times, <laughs> make the beds. and uh, So I just I lo- I've always loved them dearly. And uh, just wanted to chime in. <laughs> Sorry, I can't move my arms. I'm all tangled up in my suit. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We take this moment just now to dedicate this parking lot. And we ask for years to come that it would be open for people who are searching for a walk with you. And that we as individuals, as the real Ebenezer's left in this world, for Bill and all of our families, that we would be open for those dear souls that are searching for a closer walk with you. And we look forward to that day when we will look up and see our Savior coming to take us home that we may all be together in glory. I ask these things and we dedicate our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen.